Hey, good morning, Encounter. How are we doing today? Merry Christmas. Yeah, I say we give the Lord an even louder hand this morning as we celebrate getting ready for the Lord, celebrate the Lord's birth. One week away. Are you aware of this? One week away is Christmas Day. It is coming fast. And as was shared earlier by Heather, we won't have services on Christmas Day, but we got two on Christmas Eve and one on Christmas Eve Eve. And I'm looking forward to celebrating with you then and friends and family and celebrating right now. Now, I'm pretty sure that Probably a few of you have a few decorations out in your house right now. Raise your hand if you have any form of decoration out there, all right? So last Christmas, I realized rather quickly that my wife and lovely bride Amy was at a serious decorating disadvantage. In the field house, per tradition, since our kids were young, we would actually take them out of school one day leading up to Christmas, and it was like our decorating day in our house, and everybody stayed in their pajamas all day. It was just huge celebration, but Last Christmas, I quickly realized Amy was at a disadvantage because my daughters, Katie and Jess, were away at college, which left her with me and Josh, all right? Uh, now, you just need to know that's a serious decorating disadvantage, and so Amy had tasked us with one simple task, and it was basically to set up the Christmas tree. You know, we had one of those pre-lit ones, plastic, get all the ornaments on it, and that was our job, and we had remembered from the year before that there was just this one little section of those lights that were out that we couldn't get to work all season long and so we came prepared to Christmas we had purchased one of those light guns I don't know if you've ever seen these tools they're amazing this one was called the light keeper pro all right and the light keeper pro what it does is it tests the light bulb and the line to see if there's electricity so that if you can fix the one light bulb the rest of the string works and that's the kind of tree that we had and so we came prepared and we began to set up our tree and we got the first section set up went well and then me and Josh we, we put the next big section in of the tree plugged it in and like it wasn't just like a small section with no lights it was like a major blackout in the center of our tree and then we got the next section on and that worked and then we put the top on kind of an important part of your Christmas tree and it was out as well but don't worry there was nothing to worry about because we had our Light Keeper Pro. And we pulled that thing out. We started testing light bulbs and replacing them. We got a few of the sections of line that weren't working to work. And this went on for quite some time. Uh, but before you know it, we realized that, man, there's still a lot of our Christmas tree that's not shining. And this is not the way it's supposed to be, is it? Christmas trees are supposed to shine. They're made to sparkle and to pop and to catch your attention. And today in Matthew chapter 5 verses 16 and 17, Jesus is talking to a crowd. And I think he's saying something similar to what we were saying to ourselves last Christmas in that this is not the way that it's supposed to be where certain lights aren't shining. And this is what he says. We're in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word today? 
By the way, if you're a guest with us, we always put the scripture on the screen. Uh, you also have Bibles and the seat backs in front of you. As you come in, there's a QR code just before you come in the worship center. If you scan that, it'll bring up the scriptures and the notes and also some study questions if you want to talk about the message afterwards with your family or with some friends. That's always available as well. But here we are, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. And this is Christ speaking to us in the book of Matthew. You are the light of the world. Amen, Encounter family. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I'm going to ask you to remain standing because I'm going to pray in just a moment. But in Matthew chapter 5, God invites us to shine and we are reminded that Jesus is the light and all glory belongs to him. He is the creator and the sustainer. He is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. And he's the one who came from heaven to earth to display brightly the grace and the love of God because of the effects of sin that have darkened the world. And yet, as crazy as it would seem, Jesus, who is the light of the world, turns around and says to us, you are the light of the world. As well. How humbling and how empowering all at the same time. The one who is the light of the world says to each and every one of us today that you are the light of the world as well. And he invites us to shine his light unhindered unhidden, uncovered, to shine as we were designed to shine as works of his grace. And so I suggest we pray and invite him to shine through us today. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Father God, we just come to you a week before celebrating the birth of your son, Jesus Christ. And we ask you to shine brightly to us through your living word right now. <clears throat> Lord, nothing would mean more to us than you just to have your spirit speak to our hearts and our minds and for us to walk out of here a little bit brighter for you. We love you, Lord. We give this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Well, it's good for me to see who all the soccer fans aren't in the world right here this morning because I hear there's a good game going on this morning. I don't know. If, you, if I see you checking your phones, I won't be offended. Don't worry. But in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, it comes from this part of the Bible that we often refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. And the few verses that we're looking at come right on the heels of the Beatitudes where Matthew records Jesus saying this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the pure in, for, in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And this whole message is an invitation 
on how life in Christ turns our lives upside down from the way the world works. And it's a call from Christ to live for the kingdom of God and to live with a kingdom heart. And what Matthew does is so amazing because he sets Jesus up in the book of Matthew in contrast to Moses, who many years also climbed a mountain, just like Jesus does for the Sermon on the Mount. And he began to explain the law of God that's written on tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments. And now Jesus is also climbing a hill, a hill, a mountain, we could say. And he's explaining the law of grace that's written on our hearts. How following God and his kingdom is not about rules and laws, but about living in the freedom of obedience to Christ that springs out of a grace-based relationship that flows out of a new heart, a heart that flows out of the grace of God and not the law of God. And Jesus, unlike Moses, not only lived a sinless life, but he climbed a tree. And he paid, it's called the cross, and he paid a debt in our place before a holy God because of his love for us. And he not only climbed a mountain, but then he climbed out of the grave for us to prove his power over sin and death and to invite us into a life with him where we can live with a kingdom life and a kingdom heart. Because throughout history, humans have attempted to own their own little kingdoms, and they often attempt to do so through something called blitzkrieg, which is through swift military action. Sometimes we try to do it through revolution, which is based on you know, greater military power. Other times we try to do it through jihad, which is based on terror. But Jesus has brought the new kingdom in a very different way. It's a renewal of the heart by the power of the Spirit of God in us. And it is a blitzkrieg of grace and a revolution of love and a jihad of peace. Where his spirit produces kindness and mercy and purity and peace in our lives that allows us to shine for him in words and actions by his ongoing work of grace and his resurrection power in us. And as a result of that hope of Christ, we are called to shine for Christ in the world. And that is the thrill of hope in our life, to shine for him. This is how Jesus said it again in verse 14. You are the light of the world. So the light who makes us shine invites us to shine to a world that's lost in the darkness of sin because light has the power to influence its environment. Because light, by its very nature, shines. And light beats darkness every time. And I want us to see the amazing privilege we're invited into as we shine to the world because the light of the world declares that we are the light of the world. Would you wrestle with me for that, with, just for a moment? What God is inviting us into today. John chapter 8, verse 12 says, And again Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 12, 46, in the New Living Translation, I have come as light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. Jesus' life and message of salvation bring light to those in darkness. But this is the crazy thing. We don't just carry 
the light. Jesus does such an amazing transformation in us when we say yes to him as Savior that those once lost in the darkness of sin actually become the light of Christ to the world around us. We, in a way, get to be the spotlight that shines light on who Jesus Christ is. Now, I want you to think of it this way. I want you to consider with me two very important superheroes, all right? Okay, Spider-Man and Batman, because everybody wants to be a superhero at one point in their life, all right? It's true. By the way, in the room, how many of you prefer Spider-Man over Batman? I want to see hands out there. Quite a few of you, all right? How many of you prefer Batman over Spider-Man? Actually, wow, almost tied. I'm, I'm almost, I'm kind of surprised today, because I want you to think about the difference between them. Batman is a rich, strong man who has all kinds of cool gadgets, right? And his power, his superpower, rests in these external possessions. And Spider-Man, he actually has some cool gadgets as well. He, he does. I'll give him credit for that. But his superpower comes from the fact that he was bitten by a radioactive spider. And as a result of being bitten by a radioactive spider, his very nature has changed. And now he has a new power with inside of him. And Christ in you actually makes you more like Spider-Man than Batman. All right? It does. Because someone from outside of you has come into your life, and now you have a new power based on his Holy Spirit. And by the way, I've always been more of a Spider-Man than a Batman fan, just just. Because, you know, part of the reason for it, just since we're talking superheroes, is, I mean, Batman, for all of his wealth and all of his gadgets, he's kind of grumpy. Uh, he's, he's just grumpy. Spider-Man, on the other hand, he's got joy as far as superheroes go. But here's the trouble with the analogy is that Spider-Man became something more than human. Well, we instead are being restored to our full humanity as we are formed into the image of Jesus Christ. And it is a beautiful and a powerful thing to be transformed into an instrument to display the glory of Jesus Christ to the world. And so, encounter, we're called to shine. And we're called to shine brightly. You know, one of the many things that drew my heart to encounter and that I just love about our church family is our heart and our commitment to reaching people with the message of Jesus Christ all around the world. Uh, one of the ways we do that as a church family is we have 19 global partners that we're partnered with around the world. We partner in prayer, we partner in finances, and even sometimes joining in ministry side by side uh, with people like Robbie and Carol Matthews. And uh, they, Are they in here right now? I don't know if they're, they're sitting right over here. You guys can stand just for a moment. Robbie and Carol, Carol Matthews over here. Yep. Thank you. You guys can sit down. We're so thankful for them. They were with uh, Mission Aviation Fellowship for 26 years, and Robbie flew missionaries and supplies to some of the hardest-reached places of the world to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they partnered together in that ministry, and then he began to train other aviation, other pilots, and how to do the same, and they're here today just to say thank you to all of you for your faithful partnership in the gospel with them. So can we just give them another hand? We're thankful for him. By the way, Carol was on staff for a little while, and so we're thankful for that as well. 
Uh, I also just want to say how thankful I am to Rob Gapper. He and a team of volunteers lead our global partners ministry. Rob's role as the leader of all of that could really be a halftime role. Uh, He's also volunteers as one of our elders. And so I just want to say thank you to Rob and Mudika and our global partners team. And I think we could give them a hand as well for caring for and leading our global partners ministry. One one of the things that we are just asking God to do in this next year, the next years, is to begin to have more and more short-term mission teams that are going out in partnership with our global partners and other causes around the world, both locally and uh, globally around the world. And if the Lord's tugging on your heart with something like that, talk to Rob, talk to myself. We'd love to talk more with you about that. Uh, One of our larger goals and commitments as a church is at 50% of our global partnership financially is going to help people that are reaching people for Christ in some of the most unreached areas of the world around us. Uh, Someone kind of calculated it all up for us as a church family. About 14%, and I would actually tell you this is probably conservative, about 14% of our entire church budget goes towards global and local missional opportunities. And I think that's worth praising God for, and we give him the glory for that. Part of, part of the reason that I share that is because we have shared how we, this is our reset moment as a church where we're asking God to reset us financially as we begin a new year of ministry. And Heather shared about, a little bit about that earlier. And one of the reasons that I'm sharing about that is one of the things that people asked of me and of our board uh, early on when I came here is just to be telling the church about where we are financially. And that's really what this is all about, where we basically as a church, uh, we have been averaging about $125,000 a month uh, on average, which is a little bit below budget. And we are praying that God would provide three times that in the month of December, which would allow us to do a number of things. If double the normal amount comes in, it takes care of this deficit that we've had these last few months. If then uh, triple that amount comes in, it allows us to take care of that deficit and be financially strong for the future. And part of our goal in this too is if God provides all of that is to just relieve our church debt going forward, which would just be thrilling, would it not? And so we're just asking you to pray Uh, for God to give us a reset moment and every dollar makes a difference no matter what the amount and all we ask you to do is pray and just let the Lord lead you and I want to say thank you uh, just for everyone who's a part of our generosity ministry at Encounter because it supports all the things of what God is doing we're talking about children's ministry youth ministry global partners like Robbie and Carol uh, celebrate recovery all that goes on on our campus in our community and around the world and we praise God for it amen church Amen. Well, God doesn't want us only to shine to the world, but he gets more specific and he tells us to shine for our cities as well. Jesus continues, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. It is impossible to hide a city on a hill because it shines with lights to all the region around. And Jesus is reminding us how bright we can be for him together as a church. That as his people sent out together, as a community, how bright we can be as a city in our cities, whether that be Oxnard or Ojai or Santa Paulo or Ventura or Camarillo or Fillmore, which are all cities represented by our church family. And 
By the way, back at the time of Christ, most cities were not built on hills and on plateaus for one big reason, and that was because it was expensive to build a city on a hill or on a plateau. And so most cities were built at the base of a hill or the base of a plateau or in a valley near water. So there's water for transportation and for crops and things like that. But if you made the effort to build a city up on a hill, at night the torches, the fires, the lamps would shine for miles around. And so Jesus is seen more than just hold up the truth as a torch in the night. He's also seen we need to be a counterculture. We need to live differently as we follow his living word. And, and, and one of the ways we're going to be doing that as we enter the new year is through a new message series, and we're using that reset theme, not financially speaking, but we're going to be talking about in the new year as we kick off in January, what does it mean to reset our devotions in life as we begin a new year? What does it mean to reset our friendships and our marriages? And we're going to begin a season of prayer as we begin the new year uh, because, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus loves to pray. Do you know he loves to pray? In fact, if you look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels in the New Testament, when you put them all together, you're actually given 52 specific days of the life of Jesus Christ. 52 snapshots of what Jesus did in his day. And every one of those 52 days that we are given in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus is either coming from prayer, or he's actually praying, or he is on his way to prayer. And so if we have a praying Savior, we're going to be a praying church. And so we're going to begin the new year with, with 21 days of prayer. We'll be explaining more about that and fasting. And by the way, 21 days of fasting doesn't mean you can't eat for 21 days, all right? But we'll explain that in the new year. We're going to have some highlights, some prayer highlights that we send out on social media and through our weekly email blasts. And if you don't get our weekly email blast, just turn in one of those new year cards and you can mark that little box that says sign me up for our weekly email update and you'll start getting those but we're going to be praying for a number of local ministries uh, the ministries of our church our global partners we're going to have video highlights of servants from our church family and the ministries they're a part of and how we can be praying for them and we're going to begin the year with prayer and fasting together and ask the Lord to do some special things I'm personally praying that God is going to reset our vision in this next year for what he wants to do in this local region around us because God wants us to dream some God-sized dreams as a church family. And he wants to do something cosmically significant in a locally specific way. And I just ask you to begin praying with me for that as we encounter God, encourage each other, and engage the world. And Jesus is saying it's not enough just to hold the truth up like a torch or our lives shine together like a city on a hill. Another place that we are called to shine is to shine for Christ in our homes, verse 15. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Now, I, I actually think that the illustration that Jesus is using is kind of funny. It, it is. He's like, who lights a candle and then puts a basket on top of it and covers up the light? No one does that, silly. It's basically what he's saying, and besides, the basket would catch on fire. It doesn't make any sense, and that's Jesus' point. You don't turn on a light only to cover it up. How silly is that, you crazy people? That's basically what he's saying. That, that is like having a Christmas tree 
with lights on it and never turning on the lights. Nobody would do that. So why not take off the basket and let the lights shine? And so Jesus invites us to shine as the light of Christ in our homes. And I want us to think, what does that mean for each of us? It might be family, it might be roommates, it might be friends. It might be referring to our coworkers, those people we spend most of our days with in life. Uh, there's actually this really cool word in the Greek New Testament for the word household. It's the word oikos. Uh, there is a pastor by the name of Tom Mercer, and he wrote a book called The Oikos Principle. And Tom Mercer basically says he, he studied that word household, that Greek word uh, for, for oikos, for household in the New Testament. He says basically what the Bible is saying is that every one of us has a household. It's like our extended family. And it's 8 to 15 people, and you don't have to build relationships with them. You already got relationships with them. They're like in the front row of your life. They're the people you see every day at work. They're the people you live with. They're the friends you've known for a long time. And God wants you to love them and for you to tell them how much you love them and to tell them how much Jesus loves them and to be a spiritual light in their life. And, and basically, it's like, don't miss the people right in front of us uh, in the front row. Uh, I would tell you that it was about a year and a half ago where I just started thinking about my role as dad in my family, as a spiritual leader, because my parenting had shifted seasons. Those of you who are parents, you know what I'm talking about. Parenting's always changing. And all of a sudden, I realized, well, my daughters are in college now, and what does that mean for me to be a spiritual shepherd in, in their life? And my son's an older high schooler, and so I just started praying about it. I just felt the Lord tugging on my heart like, okay, you got to change up your, your routine and just how you're doing your, your dad stuff as a spiritual leader. So I prayed about it. I got an idea and I, I called each and talked to each one of my kids individually. I said, hey, you know, would, would it be okay? My girls were off away at college. Would, would it be okay if we just talked once a week or every other week and had a scheduled time and for like 10 or 15 minutes and then we prayed together? They're like, yeah, dad, that'd, that'd be awesome. So that's what we started doing. Now one of them lives within driving distance, and every other week we have lunch, and we just talk about life, and we pray together. For one of my kids, that meant that every other week I went, and we bought food together, and we had Bible study Monday. Just opened up the Bible and looked at a verse and talked together. Don't ever underestimate who will be willing to pray with you and study God's word with you if you ask them, and you love them, and you feed them. <laughs> I wonder what grandchild or nephew or niece or son or daughter or daughter-in-law or son-in-law would pray with you once every other week or once a month or have a meal with you and open up God's word if you invited them to. Robert Warren, who's our facilities manager here at Encounter, sometimes says, the light that shines the brightest at home shines the brightest abroad. The light that shines the brightest at home shines the brightest abroad. Uh, by the way, uh, where's Robert? Is he in the room somewhere here? He's out doing his, he's right back over there. By the way, Robert, who's our facilities manager here at Encounter, uh, he is also beginning to lead our men's ministry as we go into 2023, and so he's going to be, yeah, we can give a hand to God for that. We're thankful for him. 
Uh, he's going to be meeting with a number of the men from our men's ministry. We're restarting a bunch of things and starting new things. And we're just thankful for how God is going to use him and uh, many men in our church who have already been carrying the torch of men's ministry in the days to come. But we're thankful for what God's going to do. Uh, and let's just use this Christmas Eve this next week to shine in our homes. There are more people who will come to church on Christmas Eve and Easter. And I can't tell you how many people sit within a church family who started their journey on a Christmas Eve or Easter because someone invited them. And sometimes it's like the seventh person who makes the invite that gets the win in God's journey of just inviting someone to church. And we're going to have a great time this next weekend. We're going to uh, just celebrate Jesus Christ as our Savior and his birth. There's going to be a gospel-centered devotion and some music, a candle lighting, and the kids are going to sing. It's going to be a great time together, and I hope you'll join us. And look at how these verses end, verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I want you to see the progression of how we are called to shine. Shine in our world. Shine in our cities. Shine in our home. And we will be shining the Father's glory in heaven. World, city, home. All for glory in heaven. World, city, home. All for glory in heaven. And what a privilege we have to shine all for his glory in our cities, our world, and our home. And the light of the kingdom will produce a changed life in us. And I know sometimes we think, okay, well, that means that I'm going to have to do this like dramatic preaching. That's what God's going to have to have me do. Or I'm going to have to go to door to door and witness. Or I'm going to have to go on a short-term mission team, you know, mission trip somewhere. And sometimes it does mean that. It actually does mean that sometimes. But most of the time, it's shining in our everyday routines and conversations in our world and in our cities and in our homes. And it's the transformation of those everyday activities. And the word always becomes flesh, by the way. It's the model that Jesus gave us. Jesus reminds us the gospel is always show and tell. It's always spoken and lived. The gospel always has flesh and blood and breath and touch and body. I think of Saul who became the apostle Paul and he hears the gospel in a vision from heaven and yet he also needed the healing touch of Ananias. And he needed the welcoming gesture of Barnabas. And he needed to see the testimony of Stephen the martyr. God used all of those things in his life. And how silly would it be to know Christ this Christmas and not shine his amazing light to the world? That would be like having a Christmas tree with half the lights out and not fixing it. And when me and Josh were using our Light Gun Pro, I quickly realized it wasn't working. And so I changed tactics and got a bright idea, all puns intended here, all right? And I took my son, who was newly deputized as a licensed driver, he had just turned 16 at the time. It's amazing how willing your kids are to run errands when they just got their license. I'm, 
I'm just telling you. And I sent him out on a mission into our city, and that was to find some strings of lights that were like the ones on our tree to bring back so we could put them on the tree. Now, you might remember last year there was all these supply chain issues. I mean, that boy drove all over town. And finally, he found some lights at good old faithful Ace Hardware in the city that we were living in. He brought those lights home. We, began to, we got up on a ladder. We began to string them into our tree, filling in those sections. All of a sudden, we realized we had like tons of strings left from what he had bought. So we just kept adding those to the tree. I got to tell you, when we finished putting those lights in that tree and we turned it all on, our tree was so bright. I mean, it could have guided a freight lighter home to port. I, I'm serious. Like a lighthouse on a foggy night. I mean, our Christmas tree last year was on fire. It was bright. And God this year is inviting us to be on fire. He is. To be so devoted to Him, so in love with Him, so enjoying Him, that as He shines to us, that we get to shine Him to the world around us. And He's telling us to remove the baskets. And how silly would it be not to shine for Christ this Christmas? to remove the baskets. And I want to give you one final challenge related to all this, and that is when it comes to God letting you shine, expect Him to do it in ways that are really simple and sometimes the least expected. Because when I think about the events of the birth of Christ, it's just full of surprise and shock and scandal. I mean, think about it with me for a moment. All of the wrong people have all the privileged roles. I mean, think about it. Shepherds, Pagan stargazers, a young peasant girl from an obscure Galilean backwater town, which means that God could even use me and you. A birth in Bethlehem due to a distant dictator, that tells me that God's going to even use the events of the world and our nation to shine this Christmas. Violence from a vicious local tyrant is involved in God's sovereign story in Herod. Even refugee status in a foreign land and Joseph and Mary taking the Christ child to Egypt. That means that God's going to even use the difficult events of our life. Who knows what God will use in our upside down circumstances this Christmas to shine in us and through us and to to us. Because Christmas is an upside-down story of the foolishness of God being wiser than any human power or wisdom. And so, church, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for the light of your grace and your love and your power and your presence. We thank you for how you shine both on the cross and in coming out of the grave. And we thank you for being the light of the world. And we also thank you for the awesome, humbling, and empowering privilege 
of being lights in your name. And we ask as we leave this place today, as we march towards Christmas Day, that we may shine for you and give you all the glory. Amen.